Hey guys, the Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks. Welcome back, guys. It's been a long time. I've been away for a few weeks. Jackie's been holding down the fort, uh, and he's here with us. But before we get to Jackie, we have three very special guests. For the first time ever on the Premier Chels, we have three guests. Uh, we have Dylan, who's been here before, the co-founder of uh, Carefree Louisiana. We have Roy, the New Orleans chapter head. And for the first time making his debut is Ben, uh, also the co-founder of Carefree Louisiana on here. So welcome, guys. It's great to have you. Uh, and we look forward to chatting over the next uh, 45 minutes or so. Thank you for having us. Let's get it. Let's do it. So Blues Day is coming up. Uh, second time around. Uh, first time was last year. We spoke with Roy. It was last time around this time this uh, last year. Uh, but now we have all three of you and we'd love to hear how last year went. You know, how many people were there with chapters showed up from around the country uh, and if I'm not wrong, apart from the summer tour, this is most likely the biggest Chelsea event happening in America. So, Dylan, why don't you get us started? Yeah, man. So Blues Day. Blues Day, for anybody who doesn't know, is a realization of an idea that I had while sitting on my front porch in New Orleans with Roy about a year and a half, I guess. Well, yeah, about a year and a half ago. And then we got our minds together. And then all of a sudden we created this idea of an event to get as many fans as possible to come down to New Orleans um, and root us on for the Club World Cup, which happened last year. Um, we had the privilege of welcoming uh, around 150 people total from 17 different chapters across the country um, to an event, which was highlighting, obviously, the Club World Cup. We had a meet and greet at a local brewery. We had a Mardi Gras parade. We gave everybody a chance to experience New Orleans um, as a whole for the culture, the food, and the, the people that are here, but also at the same time, got to experience what it's like to be a Chelsea fan on the dirty coast. Yeah, and I must say, while the game was going on in Abu Dhabi, uh, we were following you guys and following you know everything that was going down on social media. And I must say, uh, it was as good an atmosphere as it was out there in, in, in the Middle East, but uh, some might even say better. Ben, your thoughts on Blues Day uh, last year and uh, how much better is it going to be this time around? Yeah, so last year really provided us the opportunity to give um, fans of Chelsea in the United States a new annual event. Um, since COVID, um, Chelsea in America was doing, before COVID, they were doing a Vegas trip that they had done two years running. Uh, it had really just gotten off the ground, and then COVID hit, derailed it. They had tried to do events prior and it's just kind of gave us an opportunity to reignite that with all the chapters. And man, it just went last year. It went absolutely fantastic. You know, like Dylan said, more than 15 chapters all around the nation. We made new friends and that's the best part about this whole thing. Right. I say it anytime I speak about it is Chelsea fans in your groups become your best friends. And 
Like they become friends outside of the pub. You do things together because you connect on this thing that means so much to you. And it's so real. Um, and that's what it was about, man. It was about bringing that whole thing together from around the nation. And dude, we're so just, we're so blessed to be able to do it again. And we're, we got a good response this year. We got New York, uh, Shawnee Ells is coming, Rico, New York boys, tons of people coming. Um, repeat offenders from last year, as we might put them. And it got rowdy. We had a blast last year. And, and we got a lot of people coming back. Yeah, and, and you touched on it. The beauty of being a fan of a sport, or Chelsea in particular, at least in this country, is that you can go out. And I know Jackie goes out to the Houston Blues uh, on the weekends and gets together and watches games. This almost turns into a much bigger party, like you guys have been saying. Uh, and outside of maybe the fan fest that the, you know the NBC folks host, I think there's no other event that goes down where fans get together, have a great time, watch a game, uh, and enjoy the company of each other. Roy, when you joined us last year, uh, you know you had spoken about the fact that this was something new. You were trying it out. What did you see last year? What did you feel about it? And how do you think it's going to evolve uh, this time around? Well, what you see is how many people not only love Chelsea from around the country, but how many people have loved it for a long time. Uh, it gives you a new view of uh, being an American supporter because you see a lot of plastics uh, over the last two decades because winning, that's that's the that's the the crappy part of winning is you have to you have to take on the plastics uh and an event like that if if somebody is uh wanting to fly to new orleans to get rowdy just for a chelsea party yeah mardi gras helps but if that's the thing that that greases the tracks for them that gives you an indication of what kind of supporter you're getting uh so you're 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 around people that love the same thing as you and you're drinking too much beer and you're making other decisions that we don't we we can or cannot talk about on this show if you'd like to um <laughs> you know uh so so you have that and you get a bunch of chelsea people together for a match like that uh against a club like palmaris i mean it was it was better than i ever could have dreamt the first year it really was um i didn't have a single complaint now if if you could say roy go back and do the first year this way different i wouldn't do it it was and that sounds so damn corny and hokey but it really is that's what it is i wouldn't i wouldn't switch anything about the first year um you know and in terms of this year we're not changing a ton um and i'm sure we'll get into that at some point but you know we can get into talking about that if, if whenever but uh that, let's let's get into this year's event yeah. let's talk about it um so it's going to be a two-day event i mean the disadvantage slash advantage that this year's event has is it encourages people to get in earlier because Early, we got yeah. a Friday match. Um, and, you know, we know that that makes it harder for people to come down. 
uh, we're aware of what that does. We live in the real world. But what we also know is, is the people that want to come down are going to be people that want to come and dig in for a weekend. Uh, we can get all up in New Orleans because this is the time of year to be in this town. Uh, and with where we are on the table and with where Fulham is on the table for anybody who's paying attention, a Derby match on Friday afternoon, all of a sudden has more juice than it does, than, than we might've liked to have hoped at the beginning of the year. Um, so, so the point is we've got, we've got a, a good match on Friday, a great match on Friday. Uh, and then we're going to rip it out of the frame all weekend. Listen, guys, I, I got to chime in here and say, watching you guys from the social media, looking at it from the outside, I thought the three of you did a phenomenal job to keep it so organized. I thought the communication was great. And honestly, one thing I'll say that any listener of the podcast today understands you three are very hospitable. I know that I got messages from you guys a few times over. Come on down. You're welcome. Stay with me. Crash here. And honestly, that really meant a lot. And so for true Chelsea fans, and Roy, I'm going to pick on the word plastic, right? For true Chelsea fans, I think this is what it's all about. We're in a tough spot as Chelsea fans right now, and it's not always easy to watch the games, especially those that kick off super duper early for us in the central region and those in the Pacific. I'm so sorry you got to wake up early and watch some of these, but it makes it easier to swallow with good fans like you guys and go through the whole thing. And we're here for each other to watch it. And look, at the end of the day, I want to lead into Mardi Gras and talk about that a little bit as well. So uh, Ben, Dylan, maybe I'll come back to one of you guys. For us non-New Orleans folks, give us a little synopsis or background on, on what Mardi Gras is. So Dylan, if you want to go first. Uh, so Mardi Gras is the culmination of the Catholic Lenten season, but that's for the people who aren't Catholic. It's more about being with friends and family, um, getting to experience the raw culture that is New Orleans. As I always say, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Roy will correct me and tell me that it's <laughs> a marathon and a sprint. Yes, um, because I'm right. <laughs> because I am right. It is week. It is weekend, week out parades from Thursday through Sunday, all day, every day. It's, it's really about being with your friends and family. And one of my, one of my favorite things is there's always that one moment when me, Roy, my buddy, Kyle, Ray, all guys that are members of the chapter are all find ourselves together during one of the parades and get to have that beer, get to have that drink. Um, we're with our, we're with our, with our daughters, our sons, we're with our grandparents. It's not just some young people party atmosphere. It's, you're going to see 85 year olds out there. You're going to see four year olds out there. It's Mardi Gras is an experience unlike any other. And it's something that no words that I can say are going to give it justice. It's one of those things that all I can say is come down to new Orleans. First beer is on us. If you want to come, let us show you what new Orleans is really like. Bienvenue and welcome to Louisiana. Cause it's going to be a good time guys. Well said, Ben, I see you kind of nodding away there. Do you agree with that? Do you have something to chime in? I mean, look, my brother, he nailed it. Yeah, there you go. Because this is, look, in Louisiana, we try to use every single Catholic, pagan, Christian, whatever kind of holiday you want to call it, that's traditional, conservative, and 300 years old to drink and be together. 
And go. whatever you believe politically, religiously, it don't matter because we love to have each other around. And these events just bring us all together, man. And that's Mardi Gras is <laughs> Roy is so right. And Dylan's so right. It's four sprints. It's, it's a marathon because you have four weeks of four sprints. There you, go. you go Thursday to Sunday. And in Louisiana, for a lot of us, we don't stop. Mardi Gras, the day itself, every single shop, every single store, construction company, they are shut down to the ground and no one goes to work. And it really is an experience that if you haven't been to Mardi Gras, you have to experience it. And with Blues Day, what we decided to do is we don't want to give you the opportunity to see Mardi Gras in like the heat of it. You can stick around and enjoy the three more sprints we have after Blues Day weekend, but we're giving you the opportunity to come in the first weekend of Mardi Gras for crew to view where it's a lighter experience. You yep. can dip your feet in. Hotel prices are less expensive. The city's less crowded. The city's less dangerous. It's just, it's a little bit lighter, kind of just dip your toes into Mardi yep. Gras, but we're still going to show you a proper time because that's what we do at Carefree Louisiana. I love that you gave that background because it's it's very important for anybody who wants to attend that it is getting the experience, but maybe not the full razor at that point in time. So you get it, you get the opportunity to see what it is. Roy, I'll come back to you because last year you guys had a partnership, maybe or uh, some kind of deal to get a special beer for Blues Day. I wonder if you're doing anything like that again. If you've got some kind of partnership or a special beer coming up, yeah. So. I guess we couldn't call it special beer, but Urban South, which has yep. a brewery, it, it started in New Orleans, and now mm -hmm. they have a tap room in Houston yep. as well. Um, but Urban South Brewery has a lager called Paradise Park, which is the people that drink Paradise Park in this town and this state. Nine times out of ten, you're going to see them drinking Paradise Park. It's their go-to American lager, and we got together with them last year and fed them ideas and they designed us a really cool alternative can logo uh, that they printed and we're, we're getting 200 of them canned. Awesome. We're going to be, we're going to be selling them in at urban South on the weekend. Uh, right now we are looking at having that event most likely on Friday, which we've got locked down. We're in talks with Urban South right now. We've been kind of bouncing things back and forth with them. Maybe moving it to Saturday because we think that more people might like be likely to come on that Saturday uh, because we've got parades both nights. But that but that gets away from your uh, your original question. Right. We love Urban South. Um, I have a few friends that I know through various groups of people that I know in New Orleans that work at Urban South and can the beer. I was hanging out with a guy I know through my girlfriend's Mardi Gras crew, drinking one of those beers last Mardi Gras. And he looked at me and he said, oh yeah, I canned that beer. And I had no idea. I knew he worked at Urban South, but it's that kind of, you know, New Orleans is that kind of town and Urban South is that kind of brewery. Um, so we're really happy to be working with them. And like I said, we're either having that event Friday night as it's planned right now, but we might try to move it to Saturday morning, Saturday early afternoon, uh, so we can get more people to come out. Yeah, thank you for sharing that story. I think it ties together the story overall that you guys are telling us, which is the family culture and bringing people together. So you guys doing your thing, drinking a beer with a friend and Urban South is looped in. 
he can that beer. So it's great to see all of that coming together. Rahul, I'll pass it back to you to, to continue the conversation. No, I'm, I was really enjoying listening listening to you guys. Guys, I want to shed a little bit of light on the chapter itself. Uh, I, the last time we spoke, I know Roy and Dylan, uh, we've spoken about how it started and everything. But from everything that we've seen, you know, again, on social media, but also just going onto your website, it has grown significantly in the last 12 months, maybe 18 months or so. So talk to me about, you know, the growth and the members and the Chelsea fans that you've connected with. Uh, and how are people finding you? So Dylan, I'll start with you. So um, humble brag, I run a large part of our social media. Um, ben built our website. Roy is our liaison to new members and adding the culture. We all do something here in this group. But spe specifically talking about growing membership, I've kind of taken it upon myself if there's somebody new at the pub, if there's a face that I haven't seen, everybody in the chapter knows Dylan's going to go talk to him first. It's a thing. I do it. I make sure that people feel welcome. But as far as the social media aspect goes, we started our Instagram page a little under two years ago. And within us, between now and then, we've grown to the point that we have more followers than any Chelsea chapter in America. And then all of them combined. Um, I've taken it upon myself to try to add as much flair, spice, creativity, something that's going to draw people in and be like, what are they got going on down there? What are they doing? Why is it that they are attracting people to come? Because I knew good and well when we had, when we were planning Blues Day, if I'm not doing something that's going to appeal to the masses, then we're not going to get people to come down here. So the biggest thing that our chapters got going for us is a collaboration of good minds all working together for a centric purpose of growing Chelsea in the state, making a fun atmosphere for everybody to feel welcome and to be proper Chelsea. And when I say that, know the history, know the club, know the songs. I will, I would put solid money down to find another chapter in our state that regularly creates an atmosphere like we do. We are constantly singing old songs, new songs, even down four nil this weekend. Roy is belting at the top of his lungs, Viali songs, our own songs that we've created because win, lose or tie, we're Chelsea till we die. That's, that's an excellent way to put it. And speaking of Roy belting out songs, I saw a video of him from the summer tour. I think it was in Orlando where he was singing 10 when went to Mo and that's my favorite. That's and my you favorite. just have to see the passion flowing out of him. He doesn't care who's recording, he doesn't care how many people are with him. He's just going for it because that's what he loves and that's what he believes in. And and honestly guys, when we, you know, we follow you guys, we communicate with you, uh, but the passion flows through every single time. Where whatever we're doing, if it's a reel that you guys share with us or talking about Blues Day, having you on. We feel it, even though we've never actually met you guys. And that's the beauty of doing a podcast, running a, a supporters group, is we get to connect with people that we otherwise wouldn't. Uh, ben, as a co-founder, anything you wanted to add to that? I mean, they pretty much hit the nail on the head. It's It's been a, a fun time. Um, this whole thing, you know, me and Dylan kind of started in our two different areas at the same time without knowing. 
Um, I had started in Baton Rouge. She had started in New Orleans and we didn't know each other. And through uh, an older member uh, in New Orleans, he connected us, you know, about two and a half years ago. And it just made sense. It's like Louisiana is smaller. So let's use the resources that we've built together and say, let's create a statewide coalition. It just made sense. So as soon as we made that decision, Dylan and Roy and the boys in New Orleans have absolutely crushed it. And uh, it's just been, it's been a crazy road, man. Rocky ups and downs. It's just like, it's just like growing anything. It's been very difficult. And, but I wouldn't change it for the world. These dudes, I mean, like my best three years ago, the guys that I call my best friend are different than the guys that I call my best friends now. And they're all the Chelsea boys in Louisiana. And that's a fact. And, th- and that's awesome to hear. Right? I, I've known Jackie for a very long time and I can safely say if it wasn't for Chelsea, I don't know if we would still be in touch. <laughs> to, to put it even more perspective, Rahul, uh, I got married a little over a year ago. Um, and obviously there's, you know, wedding showers and like groom's party uh six out of the eight guys that were in my groom's party are, che- are members of our chelsea chapter and the only reason the other two weren't is because my brother's a tot <laughs> and it's the worst thing in the world but like just like he's we've we've kind of reiterated over and over we, we we're friends and we are more than just within the chelsea group like we do things together i was at ben's one-year-old's birthday party no, like you know, a couple months ago, like we, this is a family, and we do as many things together as we can, more than just Chelsea. But um, this is a solid group, and I can't wait to see where we go in the future. No, I'm, and I'm I'm very happy and proud to hear that you guys are are growing, are enjoying it, and connecting with people that you know uh, support Chelsea and may not be as passionate, but are getting into it just because of what you guys bring to the table. Yeah, we have a the- lot of new members, man. Now that you mentioned when you mentioned that, we have guys that have come into our pub and never watched a game in their life. And honestly, the pub that we left, the pub that we went to when we left our old pub in New Orleans, the owner, the manager, and the main bartender, I bought them all vintage kits to boom, just ignite them and throw them into the fire. And they are loving it. And, you know, definitely before we move on from this topic, I want to mention too, we have a burgeoning group in Lafayette and a burgeoning group in Shreveport. And those boys are working, trying to get started. So, you know, this coalition is now turning to four points in Louisiana. It's growing, kind of becoming more than us at this point. The last, just, just to add to that, guys, the last time that we were on this podcast, we were trying to approach 65 uh, dues-paying members. And as of a couple of days ago, when I got the list from CIA, we are the fifth largest Chelsea in America chapter in the country with 117 members. That's, that's awesome. Congratulations, guys. Really, really proud of the work you're doing. Yeah, enough uh, enough boasting on us. Let's yeah, get this up. No, we, we wanted to talk about you guys. And before we move on to, I guess, not so happy times, the last time you did the Blues Day, Chelsea had sent down some flags, I believe, and, and some other uh, merchandise. Is this happening? Is it happening this time around as well? Uh, Chelsea is doing what they can right now, which is as not as much as as anybody would like they've got new ownership they've got new people that are running their marketing team so things are a lot more changing what they have said is they'd be willing to support us in in years coming forward but right now there's a lot of uncertainty 
at the club and they're still trying to figure out what and how they're going to be handling things. Um, they've mentioned to getting us on Chelsea TV to promote the event as well. That's still some things that I'm trying to work on. Um, we've got the full support from the club. Um, we just are not receiving any, any swag this year, uh, to be honest with you. And to be fair to that point, they want to support us. You know, they, they do the club, the, as we know from, you know, articles out there, there's some disconnection in the club, but the individual members themselves want this to work. So this not discounting the club at all. They, they, they want to give us their full backing. They just aren't able to at the moment. No, totally understood. And just adds to a little bit of what we hear, like you said, you know, what we're reading on everything going on behind the scenes. Uh, clearly there's, there's changes and uh, things. Hopefully when we get back next year to talk about it, uh, there will be, you know, some stuff coming out. But Jackie, I'll hand it back to you to talk about some not so fun times. Yeah, I think you guys have opened a good conversation. Maybe I want to stay there, but transition towards a few things that have happened since last year's Blues Day. Obviously, we have new ownership. You guys hinted at that. And maybe a quick word of, you know, what your thoughts are, maybe from each of you, of how it's going so far. Are you excited to have an American owner? Potentially, that means Chelsea will be coming to the U.S. a lot more. Um, are you seeing the things you expected? Are there going to be some differences uh, Roy, why don't we start with you there? Just a quick word on, on your feelings and thoughts about this. I mean, that's tough. It is a tough one. <laughs> am I am I excited to have a new owner? Yes, I'm excited to have a new owner in that after the sanctions and you don't know yep. who's going to buy them. Yep. I think of any option that I ever saw floated that seemed like it had a realistic chance of happening. The one that we got was the best one. Fair enough. Yeah. That's the vibe that I get. I don't know any more than the next hardcore supporter that reads. And I know less than a lot of hardcore supporters that read, uh, but I certainly don't know more, but my vibe again is we could have done a hell of a lot worse. <laughs> um, I'm a, you know, lived in New York City for years. I'm a big Yankee fan. I hate the Los Angeles Dodgers, but Bowley has had them competitive for a long time. Uh, he'll sink money into it. And I believe me, if I could say something nasty about the Los Angeles Dodgers, <laughs> I would say it. Uh, but, but Bowley has made them a thing every year and, and they're always a part of the conversation. So you like, I like his commitment. Yep. I think that he's not going to be a guy who won't sink money into it. Um, the question I would have had is, can he get out of his own way? Because that's why the Cowboys can't win with Jerry Jones or why a lot of European teams can't win. But for Americans, I mean, that's the one that comes to your mind the quickest is if you can't get out of the way, you ruin everything. Uh, Look, honestly, I think that's a strong, strong point you've made. And, and for fans of football or soccer that don't necessarily follow the Dodgers and know that maybe Bowley's associated with them, I think it's brilliant to see what you're bringing to the table, which is he's done something. He's been successful with a sports club, a sports model, give him a little bit of time and it's encouraging as Chelsea fans. It's not our money, but we get concerned when we see money being dumped because we've heard horror stories of clubs in debt and they can never get out of it. So uh, yeah, brilliant point there. Absolutely. And, and, you know, 
would I would I push a button to have Roman back? Of course I would. <laughs> I think I think any Chelsea fan that's being honest would. But having lost Roman and you know being blamed for the invasion, don't get me started. Uh, you know, having all that mess, uh, I think we landed about as good as we could have realistically landed. That's fair enough. Uh, ben, I see you agreeing there, but I'll ask you a slightly different question. He, he shook up the club. There's no doubt about that. Lots of changes. Obviously, a fan favorite, Thomas Tuchel, no longer with us. Graham Potter is at the helm. Lots of money invested. I'm not going to ask you about Graham Potter because I know Chelsea fans are split, but I'm going to ask you about current form, existing players. I think regardless of who's at the helm, these players could be performing a little better, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely was anticipating what I thought you were leading into because my <laughs> fellow carefree Louisiana boys here know how strongly I feel about that situation. But um, no, so, <laughs> so I think what's happened in the squad and Roy says it so well when we all talk about it is the lack of leadership on the field. Um, I, I've never played on a professional pitch, so I don't, claim to be an expert here i'm not you know a pundit from the mail i'm not going to spew all kind of you know crud about how i think it should be going but the field is quiet there doesn't seem to be an established leader and the fight the love and the spirit that the reason i wore this jersey is when we saw this jersey on the field it was totally different Absolutely. you had huge characters that commanded their areas of the pitch drogba in the front maluda and anelka on the wings ramirez lampard essien in the midfield terry cavallo uh, avant i mean i could keep naming names but everyone you can name on those squads from 05 to 2000 and really 12 13 maybe going into 14, 15, 16 and the exit of JT and Drogba, every area of the field was commanded by a character. And we just currently don't have those characters on the pitch. And it's soulless. And it that's just what it feels like when you watch a match. It just feels soulless. That character's not there. And it just sucks, man, because that's what Chelsea was known for, the kings of the pitch. I think what you're saying is is what a lot of Chelsea fans have been looking for is maybe the strong spine that we've missed in recent times from a fantastic goalkeeper to your top center back to a midfield general, dare I say, to a fantastic forward striker that even when he's not scoring goals, he's bullying people around and making space for others. And that's really what it comes down to. Uh, Dylan, I'll come to you. We didn't want to talk about Graham Potter because I know it causes a lot of aggression between Chelsea fans. I've seen it firsthand and it's, it's hard to kind of keep the conversation positive at this point in time, but I'll talk a little bit about the transfer strategy, maybe the incoming players that have come in the summertime, the ones that have announced so far, and maybe some of the youth they're looking at. And they've also done a lot behind the scenes to bring in a full recruitment team now that will hopefully to Rory's point, get Bully out of his own way. Maybe what's your feelings and thoughts on that? I like that we are taking action. I hope that the action that we are taking is going to be in the right direction. Um, I mentioned this today earlier in a group text with the boys that this is the humbling that Chelsea fans needed. 
Um, we need to start fresh. We need to develop those characters because those characters that that been alluded to on the pitch, they weren't they they weren't those players when we first got them. It took them time to come into their own. Um, what we're going to need is um, true leadership out of out of Graham Potter. We're going to need him to feel comfortable in his job because, as any of us know, um, it's been a rotating circus of managers for the last two decades. If this man is going to feel comfortable in his job and lead this team in the direction that we need, he needs to feel the backing of not only the the administration but also the fans. Um, do I think the transfers that we're making are good? I don't know. Time is going to tell. We don't, we haven't really had a proper enough time to like have a have a barometer on what we're doing. Um, all that we can see are the current results that just aren't good enough or aren't used to the standard that we as Chelsea fans have been used to. Um, what I want more than anything is to see passion. When I can I can deal with us taking a four nil loss if I've got players that are in each other's faces yelling, saying, well, we can do better, we can do better. I just want to see passion on the field. If I see passion on the field and uh, a genuine team effort, I can I can deal with a, a loss. But if I'm going to see heads hung low and a, a not just genuine effort, then it's really hard to to get behind that that type of that type of movement. But what I was excited to see was that in these games recently, obviously injuries have been affecting us, but Potter's been blooding in a lot of these new guys. Hutchinson's been getting a go. Humphreys, I'll be honest, I never even heard the name Humphreys before he came on this weekend. Had no clue who he was, and I felt shamed as a Chelsea fan. Who's this kid who looked like a rock star during the game, who made Koulibaly? <laughs> if you look at the stats, he, he was better than Koulibaly during the game. Yeah. Um, Minka shows great promise. I'm hoping that the older guys on the squad can take a moment and work with these guys, put them under their wing, make them feel welcome, welcome and comfortable. Do I think that we have all the pieces in place to be able to be successful this year? No. Um, I think it's, I think we're looking at a two to three year project, maybe even longer, depending on where we're at. Chelsea fans just need to sit back, realize that this is going to be, this is going to be a test of our fandom. This is going to be a test of, you know, just sheer willpower to be able to watch and, and just hope that we're going to do good. Um, I'm extremely hopeful for the future because right now, I think hopeful is all we really got. <laughs> no, look, and as Chelsea fans, I think that you guys have done a good job of explaining the highs and the lows that we had for a long time. And you've mentioned the man managerial merry-go-round, which while it brought us a lot of success, it also brought us a lot of heartache because I've seen Thomas Tuchel go. I've seen Jose Mourinho go twice. I've seen Frank Lampard go. And some of those characters Di were Mateo, managers. Like no Di reason. Mateo, Abram Grant, no reason. Carlo Ancelotti. I mean, there's so many of them. So ultimately, I think it comes down to you're looking at the recruitment strategy. This summer was a little tough, but we've now looked at players that are younger. And so hopefully in the two, three, four, five-year mark, where players that will be 24, 25 at their prime and together, growing together, if we can keep the squad together, there's a lot to look forward to. But Rahul, I'll pass it back to you here to ask some questions. I know you have a game. Maybe maybe you'll be brave and ask the Graham Potter question I did not dare tread on. We'll, we'll, see, how, we'll see if we get there. But yeah, I totally agree with the guys. I think the evolution 
that we need coming from a Roman era into a new era is very much needed. And there is going to be pain and there is going to be, uh, you know, suffering, as Conte used to say, uh, for us to go through before we get back to the days of winning trophies and being up there. Uh, hopefully, like Roy was mentioning with the Dodgers, we will be up there competing. But guys, I want to kind of get your thoughts on on this squad and and how you see it evolving maybe over the next six months, a year, uh, given that we're in a transfer window, we have another one coming in the summer. So I'll run through the different positions, who we've got, and I want to know who you'd keep, who you'd sell, and who you think should maybe be on the bench, but at least be within the squad. So, Roy, I'll start with you on the goal, goalkeeping situation. What do you do with Kepa? Do you keep him? Do you sell him? Or do you use him as a second kind of goalie to maybe a Mendy or someone else? But let's take, start with Kepa. So, so Dylan and I go back and forth on Kepa all the time. Um, Kepa's form has been very good for, I would really say, the entire season other than a couple of moments. Now, the goal he gives up last week in the league, I think, is really bad. Um, I think goalies get managed by not only the bad goals they give up, but when they give them up. And I think that's it's a harsh road, but it is what it is. Um, but you can't deny his overall form this year. He's played very well. Um, I still hold it a bit against Kepa, him showing up Maurizio Sarri in the League Cup final all those years back, because I think it's symptomatic of a culture that has existed at Chelsea for a long time, uh, where you've got veterans who think that they're bigger than the manager because they've seen the carousel. They know that they'll outlast the manager. Uh, you know, I'm not sure I do want to see some of our veterans take these guys under our, under their wings because I think some of them, you know, I, I want to see Chuck Wameka and Zakaria hanging out because I think Zakaria already seems like he's got some cojones and maybe Chuck Wameka and him just need to be, you know, they need to be having that who can be the biggest dog in the room and they need to push each other. Uh, I like a lot of the kids you know, the veterans, there's a lot. Oh. But what are you doing with Kepa? Are you keeping him? Are you moving him on? But, but so, so I think that's why I probably move on with Kepa. Okay. And that's long and rambling, but I think that's probably why I move on with Kepa because I think I'm going with the guy that won me a champions league and I'm getting rid of the guy that reminds me of so many guys that we've had that don't rate managers. And if we're going to build and we're going to change, let's build and change. Okay, that's fair. Dylan, he called you because he said you have maybe a different opinion on this Kepa situation. So real quick, are you moving him on too? Or are you kind of on the other side saying we've seen the better side of Kepa this season for maybe a month? Uh, but since then, it's kind of been shaky. So what are you doing with him? Uh, I'm keeping him. And I say this wholeheartedly because if you look at the stats, because I'm a numbers guy and my guys will will back this, he has the best save percentage in the league out of any keeper. Um, yes, he had a moment of sheer stupidity and went against the manager, but he also sat on the bench for two years, rode the pine, did not complain, did not ask for a transfer, did not pull a Thibaut Courtois and snaked <laughs> his way out because he wasn't happy, and 
he did his he did his time i i do i think that what he did was right no do i think that what he did should be forgiven so he can move forward along with his career so she doesn't have to constantly have this over his head yes it's time to move on um can we sell him right now no we can't sell him mindy's under has got finger surgery we don't know when he's going to get back we don't know that's going to happen we can't trust gabriel selena yet um excuse me if i mispronounce that we don't know what we've got so yes i say keep keppa do i say keep keppa for the long term Let's 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 see what the rest of the team does because a goalkeeper is only as good as the defense in front of him, and until the defense in front of him shakes out and provides him a stern, supportive wall that he can feel confident with, because a goalkeeper is so mental compared to so many positions on the field, if he doesn't feel that wall of security in front of him, he's not going to be good, and that's where his form came from. When when he dipped so horribly two years ago, look at the defense that was in front of him, and then all of a sudden. We bring in um, Antonio Rudiger, and all of a sudden this man just becomes this keeper again, and we win the Europa League. It just, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to be different on this, but I'm just, I'm, I'm keeping Kepa. All right, Ben, which way are you going? Are you going with Roy or are you going with Dylan? I'm definitely going with Dylan on this. <laughs> Keep Kepa. We've, there's something that me and a turn Y'all going to that... let Mandy go. No, 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 no. Hey. Hey, he didn't ask me Mindy, dog. I'm just telling you what he what he asked me about Keppa. I didn't give okay. you my Mindy. <laughs> okay. So here's here's what me and Roy talk about, and we say this this phrase: Mindy's best is better than Keppa's best, but Keppa's current is better than Mindy's current. Keppa deserves to be in goal currently, and we have no one else suitable currently because we have our number one in large quotations with finger surgery so that doesn't work so keeping him all day all right so we got two keeping keppa and and roy's moving him on which means roy i think you're keeping mendy uh as your first choice while the other two are going with keppa for now you're asking me who i want to take into the future mendy or keppa I'm taking the guy that won me the Champions League and has never showed up a manager in the final. All right, that, that's that's fine. That's uh, there's Bettinelli and Slonina, but both those guys, Slonina is a youngster, like Dylan mentioned, and Bettinelli is making up the numbers in the squad. So let's move on to the defense. We have center backs of Thiago Silva, Kulabali, Fofana, Chaloba. We just signed uh, Benoit Badishile. So let's focus on Thiago Silva, 38, arguably, if not definitely our best defender center back are you renewing his contract coming up that's coming up uh you know expiring at the end of this season roy is nodding his head dylan what are you doing with Thiago silva are you with the youngsters coming in there's he shows no signs of slowing down so there's arguably no way you can let him go because he's definitely a better defender but he's also 38 the he's he's arguably the best player on our team this year He's a keep. He's a do whatever you need to make him happy. Give his wife a, a megaphone in the stands because <laughs> she adds more passion than just about half the, the stands right now. Um, if anybody in this panel said anything other than keep uh, for Silva, um, they're not they're not right. Yeah, he's correct. Uh, no, I, I think Jackie and I agree. We got we have to hold on to him for as long as that man can play. He's, uh, he's- 
I just said a minute ago, I don't know if I want anybody near the youngsters of the veterans. I'm not talking about him because he yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, 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 I totally agree with you, Roy. I think we lost Ben. So uh, Kulabali guys came in for not too big money, well, but came on, in. Through, here. Oh, there he is. Ben, are my, you in, agree, in agreement yeah, no, with some, my, my, my camera's shorting, sorry, but no, I definitely need to get in this. You keep, <laughs> keep, keep, and you give the man a two-year. If you want anyone else in the locker room to be as strong as this guy, you don't have him. So even if he's not playing week in and week out, he 100% needs to be in the locker room. If you're going to tell me you're going to keep David Luiz in the locker room <laughs> and you're not going to keep Tiago Silva, nah, dog. Not a, he needs to be in the locker room. No, I, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, and a two-year contract is a great shot because as these the younger guys mature and grow into their own, Thiago can kind of scale back and not play every single game like he is right now because we just don't have anyone else. Uh, but moving on to Koulibaly, uh, before we move on to the other positions, what have you guys made of him this season? I know it's early. I know it's only been six months, but it's it seems like he's kind of lost his way a little bit. I see Dylan sitting back and thinking and, and going into deep thought, uh, but it's just not been what we expected it to be. And maybe we're ex- comparing it to Rudiger because he was uh, the replacement for him. But Dylan, what are your thoughts on Koulibaly? Sell him, period. That's it. He's not good enough. <laughs> he has been letting up more stupid errors in my mind than anybody we've had on defense in four years for the amount of time that he's been on the field. Um, I don't trust him in the lineup. When I see him in the lineup, I get concerned. I wonder why Shalaba isn't getting the start over him. Um, I fully believe that he was a panic buy because we needed a body back there. He was proven in a league that is not as substantially hard as the premier league. Um, I wish him well, but I don't think, I don't know what the question is, but he's not the answer. That, that's, that's the answer I'm looking for. Uh, Roy, what are your thoughts on Koulibaly? Yeah, I would say the same. All right. I, mean, I, 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 anybody who gets John Terry on the phone to ask permission to wear a number, shows- <laughs> They've got a modicum of beyond a modicum of respect for what they are stepping into. And I'm always going to give a guy props when he's a man's man. And in a day and age where we got a lot of guys that have shown bradish behavior present and past, uh, I've got, I've got no, I would throw no stick at him over the way he conducts himself. It's just what Dylan says. I just, I just don't think he looks like he's good enough. If you're asking me a guy I'm selling, he's a guy I'm selling. All right. Ben, are you, are you in agreement or do you think? No, uh, <clears throat> I'm not in agreement. I think, <clears throat> I think it's unfair to, to trigger, you know, the panic sell after, you know, a player's been here for less than an entire season. I think we've seen in the past what defenders can do when managers get the best out of them. Uh, under Frank, Rudiger looked like he couldn't even start for West Ham. And all of a sudden, Tuchel makes him um, a Real Madrid's number one prospect. So I think 
although Koulibaly is on the back end of that age scale, he has a lot of positional maturity and those those mistakes have largely been passing mistakes, trying to get forward and whip the ball in because part of the reason we wanted him, and I don't think it was a panic buy, but part of the reason we wanted him from Napoli five years ago was that he's got a great over-the-top ball. Five and, years ago. Okay, sure. And I agree with you, but my biggest kind of counteraction to that is with Rudiger out, a very, very tumultuous transfer window with everything that was going on, who else was there? So I also agree with you that Chaloba should be 100% starting over him, but a Chaloba Tiago Silva uh, center back pairing works great for me, but is Koulibaly a lost cause for me? No, I say we keep him. All right. And, and I, I was going to ask if you just thought that, you know, maybe another, uh, usually players in the second year tend to do better. And maybe this is the situation here. Jackie, I see you nodding as well. So I think you're, you're in agreement there. Uh, I'm going to move over. Reese James, Ben Chilwell are, are, are starters. And, and once they're fit, they will come back in. But Kukurea and Aspilicueta, I'm going to start with Aspilicueta. Won everything at Chelsea that he could have won. Wanted to leave last summer. Stayed eventually. It's summertime. Season's ended. What are you doing with him, Roy? Are you saying thank you very much for his service, but it's time that we kind of focus on a right back that can actually provide the cover that we need when, if and when Reese James is out, or is Aspilicueta still good enough to do the job for this team? Well... There's a bunch of questions there. Is he good enough? No, I don't think he's good enough. Um, do I? But that's a different question. Do I let him go? Uh, I think, you know, if if I've got this power, I'm going to ask Pilaqueta and I'm trying to put him in the family right away. Uh, do you want do you want to coach? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? Great uh, point. And, and try to, if you're going to say that you're, you're not going with Dave, you try to make it as abundantly clear as you can uh, that Dave, it's nothing personal. And the leadership is still welcome. And his leadership is still there. And what did he just move into fifth all time in appearances or sixth yeah. all time in I think it was fifth. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's earned a chance to have the graceful, soft landing as much as anybody we've ever had. Anybody we've ever had. Um, Captain, captain, leader, legend. Yeah. And if he, and if he, and if he turns that down, I'm not the one who wants to have to make that decision. Uh, I don't know if I've got the heart to, to, to look, Dave in the face and say, well, Dave, we're just going to tell you to tell you to go, go try it somewhere else, bro. I don't know if I've got the strength to do that. Um, but are you asking me, is he good enough to be out there on a regular basis? No, he's not. He's, he's, it, it, father time is undefeated and it has, he has chased Dave down. That's it's it's an interesting take on that, and uh, but I do agree with you. I think he's earned the respect. He's earned the right to do what he wants to do. Uh, but if he wants to stay, there's other options, and I think the coaching option is definitely definitely a great point. And I know Ben and Dylan uh, agreed with you, so I'm going to move on to Kukurea, Ben. 
came in for big, big money, uh, hasn't lived up to the expectation. One season at Brighton showed what he could do and then kind of came in and is struggling. Uh, I know he's had some issues with dental surgery and all of that, but he's young. I think he has potential. This is one I think we have to stick out with, but I'd like to get your thoughts. Um, I definitely think we should stick it out with Kukorea. Um, I think that he hasn't been given the shot in a consistent lineup that he deserves. On the left side, he hasn't even been able to establish a partnership because he's had 17 different people in front of him on the left side. I mean, we can't figure out who our left wing back, left winger, left mid. We don't know what that position is currently. Uh, Sterling can't catch a, catch a break. Uh, there's just that left side is just so unsure. So Chilwell brings that stability at a left back role. I don't think Cucurella has that. And does he have the physicality to just be a left center back? No. So I just think he hasn't fit in yet. He hasn't found that slot. If you, if you remember his first game with the team, Oh, we had a new song for him. Everybody was excited. It was the best performance from a left back we'd ever seen. And, you know, all of a sudden this energy changes when a player goes on five games in bad form. Give him time. It's been six months. I, I, I agree with you. Dylan, I've seen a few people compare Kukurea to your favorite player, Alonso, uh, in terms of defending at least. What are your thoughts on Kukurea? And, and when I say favorite, <laughs> I'm being sarcastic, uh, guys, but... Uh, what are your thoughts on Kukurea? And, and are you also of the thought that do we give him the time and, and let him kind of settle into this squad and, and make that position his own? Absolutely. We have to let him settle into the squad. Um, ben said it's been six months, but if we're being realistic, it's only been about three and some change because the World Cup was a huge gap in that. And he wasn't, he wasn't playing in the World Cup to keep form. Um, I, my biggest thing is, um, your original question was um, keep, sell, or bench. I honestly, right now, with the way that the team is going and the passion that is being shown and the leadership that is out there, I actually bench him and I start Lewis Hall um, because that kid is coming out and showing passion and trying his damnness to do everything that he can for the club. And do I think that Lewis can learn something from him. Absolutely. Um, with our situation with injuries, obviously rotation is going to be needed. So I want Kukurea to get minutes when it's appropriate, but at the same time, I'm not sure he is the real backup for Chilwell when he comes in. Uh, I'm, I'm not completely sold just yet. I'm not saying he's not going to be the guy. I'm just, I'm not sure yet. All right. That's fair. I'm going to move on to midfield Roy. Uh, and focus on two guys who have their contract expiring this summer, which is Jorginho and N'Golo Kante. Uh, I'm going to tweak the question a little bit. Are you renewing both of them? Are you renewing one of them? And if which if it's one of them, which one is it? <laughs> well, if it's one of them I'm bringing back, it's N'Golo Kante. I mean, because I think injuries and time may have caught up to N'Golo, but N'Golo I have seen be the best at his position in the world. Um, and I am so over Jorginho. I'm over it, I'm over it, I'm over it. 
I'm not slagging him off football wise. I am not enough of an expert of the game to be able to say how, you, you know, good he is compared to Chuck Wameka, who I love. Uh, but what I can tell you is, is that when you're wearing the armband, the first match after Luca Vialli has passed away, you better have a different look in your eye than he had. Uh, so he can, he can walk. Uh, N'Golo, I think, might be past it. But then I see that Arsenal, that Arsenal and other people out there, and that makes me wonder, could he go across town? Could he go? I mean. Right. I, no. I, 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 wouldn't I, know what to do with, I wouldn't know what to do with N'Golo. N'Golo, I want him to come back. I'm not sure if it's good football business to come back. I love N'Golo, and I want him to come back. There's no yeah, no, I riding with between those two though. Yeah, I, t- I totally think if there's others in the team that can give Angolo the break that he needs and doesn't have to play every single minute of every single game, he is able to do something within the squad. But uh, we relied very much on him, and when he comes back this season, it's going to feel like a new signing because we've missed him for the entirety of the season. Dylan, are you in the same boat as as Roy with uh, Jorginho and Angolo? Um, I completely agree with Roy that um, if we have the proper squad to be able to allow him to be rotated properly, that it's very hard for me to want to get rid of arguably the best midfielder that Chelsea has ever seen. And I say arguably because there's plenty of people that can be in that conversation. But if N'Golo is not in the conversation, the conversation, it's, it's wrong. Um, as far as Jorginho goes, uh, thank you for your service. I appreciate you. Thank you for your trophies. Um, if we can sell him and bring in somebody who is actually going to replace Fabregas like we've been needing for about, you know, what is it, five years now, then let's do that. We need to bring in some youth. Um, if we can get $20 million, $25 million for Jorginho and send him back to Italy, Great, but you notice I said send back to Italy. I did not say send, like Roy mentioned, alluded to going across town because Mm -hmm. Jorginho in the right system is a very effective player. He maintains possession. He adds a presence on the field that when he is on his game is undeniable. But right now, Chelsea is not on their game as a whole, and he's part of that team. Um, More, I, I imagine that... Out of all Chelsea fans in America, Jorginho probably catches more slack than most because they're tired of seeing those same lateral balls. They're not seeing the balls into the box. They're not seeing that drive forward. They're not seeing that shot out of him. They're seeing him maintain possession and just pass it along. And as a former player, that's frustrating. Um, I'd like to see more creativity out of him. But to just go back and answer your question, um, I don't renew his contract for Jorginho. And yes, I do renew Conte's if we have the ability to rotate him in and not play him week in, week out. Because under Uncle Tommy, we kept the same lineup over and over and we did not rotate. And I think because of that under rotation, we burn out a lot of players and ran out of ideas. Yep, I I totally agree with you. And I don't see Ben, but I have a feeling he's in agreement uh, on this piece, unless unless he says otherwise. I'm actually, um, 
I am letting both of them move along. Um, I think we've seen Conte's return from injury three separate times now. And it's just not the same Ingolo Conte. I mean, I can't overstate my love for this man. Like, I'm grinning from ear to ear right now as my camera on my laptop shorts out, unfortunately. But, like, I wish you could see how much I love this dude. Like, he brought this, like, weird vibe to the club that everybody just adores him. But Roy's also right, and Dylan's also right about Jorginho. He just gets so much slack. The both of them together, man, they're just not Chelsea standard anymore. Love you boys, but you're not Chelsea standard anymore. Yeah, and that and that midfield definitely needs some refreshing. So uh, I, I definitely see your point, Ben. I'm going to move over to the attack. We've got Sterling, who just came in, Pulisic and Ziyech. Pulisic and Ziyech had decent World Cups. Uh, Ziyech obviously made it all the way to the semifinals with Morocco. We just have not seen the same Ziyech for Chelsea uh, it was rumors of him being included in a deal for Enzo Fernandez from Benfica. Uh, what are you doing with Ziyech and Pulisic, guys? Pulisic can't stay fit. Ziyech can't replicate his form from Morocco. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Ben? Um, I was going to divert to Roy um, <laughs> because you, you can't honestly hear a more entertaining monologue than you are about to. But let me give my... <laughs> brief thoughts first i think pulisic represents a lot of what is wrong with modern football in america and it's what zlatan says football is too expensive in the states and the only people that have access to the sport at an elite level are extremely wealthy and we all had those friends in high school that they didn't make the choice but we hated them because they were in the position to be in those places. And he seems like he exudes that spoiled childish energy on a day-to-day basis. And it is infectious. And personally, I believe Ziyech is the exact same. He has an attitude that outweighs his class and his skill. World Cup Ziyech is World Cup James Rodriguez. It doesn't exist in club football. Get him out of here. It's over with. The Pulisic-Ziek experiment never worked. It never will. We are Chelsea Football Club, and this is we have to have consistency day in, day out, fight. Like, that's what we need. I'm, I'm tired of this game. They play games. I, I can't wait to hear what Roy has to say because that, Ben, was, was what I was looking for in terms of uh, a soundbite. But, Roy... Take it away. I want to hear your thoughts on For the viewers who can't see, I'm putting my head behind my back because I can't. <laughs> my back Roy, I can't. Roy, try not to curse. You can't curse. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you. <laughs> um, turn your volume up, Roy. People need to be um, Ben covered a lot of it. I think he's a spoiled. Christian is a spoiled brat. I think his daddy is a punk. I think that we're talking about a guy that is coming to one of the biggest clubs in the world as a pioneer from his country. You know, they talk about, you hear Liverpool fans talk about when Joey Jones, I think it was Joey Jones was the first Welshman to ever win the European cup because he played for Liverpool back in the seventies. Like, 
Pulisic is getting a chance to be a trailblazer for a country at a big club. And he's getting to do so under the management of the greatest man to ever wear the shirt in Frank Lampard. And right as we are getting our tails beat in and out and in and out by Arsenal over Boxing Day his first year, you get him trying to look sexy in GQ dropping the next day. What the hell are you doing photo shoots? And then I heard people defend him. Oh, that was taken back in September. Okay, if it was taken during the season, I want to know why. If it was taken during the summer, I want to know why. Because you you should be clawing tooth and nail for everything you got. And you're taking pretty boy photos in GQ when you haven't done jack. You scored some nice goals for Dortmund and won what? And won what? You scored some nice goals for the U.S. and done what? Not qualified for a World Cup? Like, what has this kid done to be on to be on a GQ shoot? So that this is at the very beginning. This is at the very beginning, and then Tuchel comes in and just waves his genius wand everywhere, and you get to go on a European Cup run. And be the first American to ever win the European Cup. The first ever. You're, goes back to my Joey Jones example a minute ago. You, you have become that for your country. And this man, Tommy Tuchel, has given you that opportunity by, by being the elite world-class manager that took Frank's nucleus and said, okay, Frank, you are clearly the guy that can train a team. I'm the guy that can put him in position to go kill it on the field. And Frank Lampard deserves all, all the credit for the first thing that I mentioned. And anybody that says different, I will fight you in the streets. But Tuchel gives you this opportunity and fast forward and to a year later when things are going wrong for the man and you're blasting him you're blasting him in a tell-all book while you've had your daddy do your fighting on social media and all the useless idiots in American media from Tim Howard to Roger Bennett do, talking about free Pulisic, free Pulisic, free Pulisic, jog on, kick rocks. I never want to see you again. Well, I, a, a simple sub would have done, but I really, really enjoyed listening to that, Roy, because you know, we live, we all live in the U.S. and a lot of fans, media will say everything wrong about Chelsea just to protect Pulisic. But what you've just heard from Ben and Roy is actually the truth of what needs to be shared about Pulisic. And listen, he's he's got the talent. He can be the player that we want him to be, but he's made out of class and he's got other issues off the pitch. Uh, Dylan, I, I think... I don't know if you have much more to add to that, but let's move on to the front two of Kai Havertz and Aubameyang. Uh, Aubameyang came in three days later, two goals sacked, so I don't even know why we brought him in. Uh, but let's start with Kai Havertz. He's had his big moment in Porto. Since then, we've seen flashes here and there, but we've never seen the Kai Havertz, the generational talent that we thought we had brought in. Are you keeping him this summer, or are you saying, you know what, thank you very much, someone else is willing to pay close to what we paid for you, you're going out the door. 
Uh, to answer the first part of your question, uh, to kind of agreement, uh, Obama Yang, I don't know why we got him. He was uh, filling the spot. We needed a player. He was proven in the league. But um, I think the bench was warmer in, in, in Spain, and he probably should have stayed warming that one instead of the one in, in England. Um, as far as Kai Havertz, you have to respect what he did for us because he rounded the keeper and put it away, and he kept Man City crying for another year. Um, but we haven't seen enough out of him. Do I think we sell him in the summer? No, because uh, I don't think we, I don't think we have the options and the depth to be able to do that. Do I think he makes it beyond another year if he keeps his current form? That's also a no. Um, I think Kai is going to be given his time under Potter, which I think is going to be. I think Potter is going to. The, the the real questions on how we're going to be judging Potter are going to come January of next year. And I think that's about the same time that the decision on Kai is really going to be made. If he hasn't proven himself come mid-season next year, um, if we're not in a position in the table fighting for top five at least and him spearheading that, that effort, then uh, – the question is already going to be answered for us and we're going to, we're going to part ways. That's fair. Roy, are you, what are you thinking on Kai? Are you keeping him or are you selling him this summer? Yeah, I think Dylan just nailed it. I don't really right. think I'm that. I, I love him for Porto. And if you respect the history of the club, you can never divorce Kai Havertz from that moment. You don't get to do that. You don't get to, you don't get to slag off Kai Havertz and, and not remember that this, but I, I think he makes it another year, unless his form, unless just he finds the form that we have thought we were buying. That, but as you correctly said, Raul, we haven't seen what we thought we bought for the most part. Um, unless we see that guy, I think Dylan is absolutely right. Yep, Ben, your thoughts on Kai before we we yeah same. I mean, I, I like his his class on the ball. He does have like a very smooth silky approach to moving which is fun to see but that is absolutely all it is there's no substance behind it there's no goals there's no assists there's just no nothing um so yeah sell him sell obama yang um and buy a lot i think fafana should stay and not go on loan um but obama yang dude he's north london he'll never be chelsea i'm sorry you might wear the kit but you'll never be chelsea yeah He's, he's, he's no Giroud. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, anyway, I, Obama Yang and Giroud aren't even in the same conversation. No, they may no. both speak French, but they speak totally different languages. <laughs> uh, I, I love hearing your thoughts on the squad, guys. And I was going to ask you about Potter, but I, I from what I've heard, you're all in agreement about giving him the time, giving him... Uh, yes. the resources that he needs so that we can get some stability and get someone that can take us to the, you know, to the promised land uh, with the players that he wants. Jackie, I'll hand it over to you for the Fulham score predictions before we wrap it up. Yeah, gentlemen, it's been fun hearing your thoughts on the squad. And I think based on that, I can kind of understand what a first 11 will look like, but you know, in the past, Chelsea playing with Fulham, London Derby, it's always a great game. It always invokes a little bit of passion. I think we're like six, seven miles away from Fulham, so you can jog over there. And if N'Golo Kante was fit, I think he would jog over to Fulham. And on a different day, different set of results, I think it's an easy one for us to win. But 
just to get a score prediction from you guys. Are y'all feeling confident? Are y'all feeling this might not go what we're looking like? So, Roy, I'll start with you. A score prediction. I don't like to twist your arm, but maybe you can give oh, me something. Man, you had to make me go first. I yeah. I couldn't even see if the other guys were going to be cynical or not. So now I have to lead the way. Um, With brutal honesty as well. <laughs> I'm going to let my heart predict. And I'm going to say we win to one. The emphasis on what I just said is I'm going to let my heart predict. It, it can't handle another loss, I think. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, we 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 should have played better than that last weekend. You know, we didn't get a chance to cover the the John Luca Vialli stuff, yep. but I'm he's one of the first men that made me fall in love, and we owe we owe it a better effort. If we get done, we get done. But we owe, we owe it a better effort than we gave last week. Um, he would have been ashamed of that on. Sunday and people may not like hearing it, but I've, I feel fairly confident in that, that if he had been a part of it, if he had been a part of it, he would have been ashamed of that. Uh, so we need it. So my heart is going to say two, one, two, one to the, to Chelsea. And look, it can't get any worse than what we saw on Sunday. So hopefully there's some progress there. And if we come away with a two, one, very, very stuck. Jackie, Jackie, I sure as hell hope you're right, pal. I hope you <laughs> Man, I hope you're right. A lot of Chelsea fans are all hoping for that. Uh, Dylan, I'll come to you next for a score prediction. One nil, but I have no idea where the goal is coming from. I, I hope Reese James is magically fit because that seems to be the only way we get some some service and goals. I'd love, I'd love, I'd love, I'd love for this to be that moment where Fofana takes the team on his back and says, Okay, I'm here. Uh, we can do this. Um, Fulham has class, and they've shown it this season. Um, but I think on our day with the team that we have, we Fulham is beatable. Um, I'm more concerned with the amount of goals that we've been letting in. Yep. Um, so my my heart, like Roy says, is 1-0. Um I'm just hoping it doesn't end up 1-1 because that seems more likely than anything else. I'll hope for the win there. Ben, I'll come to you. Are you going for three wins? You have a different opinion? Yeah, Dylan, you tailed into it. I think it's going to be a 1-1. I think we're going to show dominance in that first half like we have in the last um, three matches, and then they're going to make a change. We're going to score early in 20-something minutes. And then uh, in the 87th minute, as per Chelsea, we are going to let in a William uh, deflected shot in past Kepa where it's nobody's fault but ours. And uh, we're all going to go home disappointed. That's just facts. Um, mm. I think we don't have any evidence to show contrary. Listen, yep. I like what Dylan said earlier, which is win, lose, or tie Chelsea till we die. So if that happens, I think we'll we'll go home disappointed, but we'll still be happy to be Chelsea fans. <laughs> and hopefully there's some positivity there. I, I'm hey, going for a one-one. And, one well. and that William bags a goal. We're all happy when William bags a <laughs> goal. We love William. <laughs> I'm I going do. for a one-one as well, just, just because of the way we've been playing lately. Rahul, I'll pass it over to you for your score prediction, and then let's wrap up with the guys on, on Blues Day as well. Yeah, I was going to say Agent William helps us out. So um, I'm going to go for a 2-1 with Roy as well. 
Uh, I think we need a reaction and we need this the squad to give us something to hold on to for the rest of the season and no better way to do it in, than in the West London Derby. Uh, Dylan, I know you have one final plug for the Blues Day, so I'll hand it back to you before we close it out. Yeah, so for anybody listening to the pod, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to our ramblings. Thank you for you know being an audience for Rahul and Jackie um, on the Premier Chels podcast. For anybody who's interested in Blues Day, for more information, please go to carefreelouisiana.com. See a full schedule of the events, what we've got going on. We've got Mardi Gras parades for you. We've got meet and greets where you can see members of other chapters from throughout the country. We've got a trivia game set up specifically on Chelsea-based history with special prizes being given away. We are raising money through a specific beer that we have on draft at our pub to raise money for the American Cancer Society, specifically through for Gianluca Vialli, um, who just passed and who is a legend for us. Um, we want you to come down to New Orleans and have a good time. We want you to meet Chelsea fans from throughout the country. We want this to be an event that you're going to be talking about for, for years to come. And we want this to be an event that makes you realize why you are a Chelsea fan and why being a Chelsea fan is the best fan to be in America. Um, please come down to New Orleans and share this experience with us. If you have any questions, Feel free to reach out on uh, Facebook or Instagram at Carefree Louisiana. Um, reach out on the website. We have a chat there. So if you have any questions, uh, one of us will answer. Um, come on down to New Orleans, guys. It's going to be a really good time. Awesome. Thanks, Dylan. It starts February 3rd, guys. So book your tickets and, and reach out to the guys, like he said, for any information. They're very hospitable and will help you out as much as possible. Roy, Ben, Dylan, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a great conversation. Uh, the last hour or so has flown by, but it was great chatting with you guys. Great seeing you, uh, even though Ben's camera has gone down for a little bit. But hopefully we'll join you guys at a Blues Day event next year. Uh, we'll do a podcast together live and uh, get some beers and, and celebrate Chelsea being fighting for top five, like Dylan was saying. Uh, but Definitely uh, enjoyed Blues Day, guys, and and we'll we'll be following. And and once again, thank you. And that wraps it up, guys. Uh, please continue to subscribe, follow, and uh, um, tune in to the Premier Chelts, available on all podcast providers, YouTube, uh, and on Instagram as well, Twitter, all the social media. Just re, uh, just follow us at the Premier Chelts. Uh, we will be back with a review of the Fulham game and a preview of Crystal Palace this weekend. But until then, stay safe and up the Chelts. This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stamford. And we are the Premier Chefs.